Graphic design? Can you make a living at that? Three, two, one, fun, 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 Welcome to Design Futures, a show about what happens after design school. I'm Chris St. Cyr, and my guest on this episode is Nelson Kudo. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I can't, wait to, I can't wait to hear your story. I know it has been a long time. Let's get to the intro. Nelson is a Massachusetts-based art director and graphic designer specializing in branding and logo design. He has also worked on editorial packaging and illustration projects for clients such as Hasbro, Cadillac, YMCA, Puma, The Art of Shaving, and Rhode Island College. His work has been featured on Under Considerations Brand New, The Dye Line, Grits and Grids, How Magazine, and in the book Logo Lounge 11. He is a 2003 graduate of the Massachusetts College of Art and Design. <laughs> That's mouthful, yeah. That is, well, you know, I think the most significant part that I have to just, we talked a little bit about it. We touched on it. In 2003, you, yeah. you know, uh, there are lots of terms. We'll give you the OG title for right now because you, <laughs> I, you're the oldest so far <laughs> that's been a guest on this show. I'll take it. I'll so, take it. That's great. That just means you have the most experience, more stories, more uh, bumps and bruises, more challenges, more successes, probably all that stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, especially the bumps and bruises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, sure. yeah, well, there's, there's, a, I mean, it's almost been 20 years. Next year, you'll 20 years out, yeah. of, out yeah. of school. Out of school, yeah. Um, and that's, that's where we met at, at Mass Art. Right. And you're going to have to, because it has been a while, <laughs> you're going to have to remind <laughs> me, was I a TA in a class that you were taking? Or uh, it may have started that way, but uh, you did end up uh, becoming a professor there. Um, yeah, I was well, not a professor. Or, or I know I you led the class. Yeah, okay. I taught. I think I taught a full. I've had my own course in the spring. Okay, probably. Yeah, and it was. It was. Year. I don't know if it was the exact title, but it was a pretty much the equivalent to like web design. Okay. Um, when we were still slicing everything up in Photoshop. Oh, yeah. And, yeah all that good stuff. So. Oh, it makes my skin crawl just thinking about that, <laughs> that process that we went through back then. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was a challenge for sure, but it was, it was, uh, it was an eye opener for me because it was something that I definitely saw growing in the industry and something I wanted to, you know, get a grasp on and learn a bit more of. So um, it was, it was tough going, but, but pretty invaluable. When you did graduate, you mentioned more taking a traditional path or graphic design anyway. Um, mm -hmm. So where where did you did you get a job right after graduation? Like what was your time frame there? Where did you go? Uh, you know, I, I didn't right away. Um, I came back home. Um, I grew up in Rhode Island pretty much my whole life. Uh, I'm in Massachusetts now, but went back home, um, just found a, a, a local job to to keep busy uh, while I looked. And then I came across uh, an internship in Boston. Um, I think I think the company's either merged or been bought, but um, at the time it was Partners and Simons. Um, they primarily focused on, on pharmaceutical clients, mm -hmm. uh, if I remember right. So I did a, a three month stint there, uh, got my, my first really awful X-Acto knife experience uh, doing that. 
Um, but it, it wasn't was in a, school. It was at on the job. It was on the job. It was on the job. Yeah, I did okay at school, um, which is amazing considering I didn't get much sleep. But yeah, on the job, uh, yeah, it was one of these rush rush things for a client presentation. They got the intern to to cut up some boards, and <laughs> and then I ended up at Mass Journal. So um, oh, wow, it was that serious. It was bad. Yeah, was yeah, it was, it was a bit of a fountain. Um, it wasn't good, but. Yeah, great experience there, though. You know, it was uh, it opened my eyes to, you know, to what sort of the the, the real world was like out there uh, uh, with with design and, and seeing what agencies were like with mm. people walking around and collaborating and having meetings here, meetings there. And, you know, it's not all just designers, but account execs and, you know, everything that that goes along with that. So so that was that was a really great experience. I was then. Uh, offered a job uh, again closer to home with an individual I've worked with now for um, about 15 years, so almost my whole career. So, really small boutique shop, which led me then to the, the position I was last in before doing freelance work. And who was the what was the company that you worked for before your recent move to consulting work? Ste- Stebbings is that what? Uh, Stebbings, yeah, Stebbings Partners. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. Okay. Uh, so they were kind of a sort of a one-stop shop. Um, they did a lot of design and, and branding work uh, along mm-hmm. with photography, which is sort of their bread and butter. But yeah, the pandemic, once the pandemic came, um, hit the company pretty hard. Yeah. Um, so they had to make some business decisions. And yeah, a good bit of us ended up becoming laid off and, uh, you know, having to, right. to figure things out. Um, and that's just what it was. But, you know, it wasn't a, a huge surprise. The writing was sort of on the wall there. My wife worked with them too. Um, she was there almost her whole career, so 15 or so years. So we were both <laughs> wow. suddenly out of a job. That's um, rough. You know, when you, and when you factor in the mortgage and the kids and everything else that goes along with it, yeah. uh, it was a scary time. But luckily, things have um, have panned out. That's good. And so now you're you're doing your own thing, consulting, art directing, designing. We touched on that. You you're you got a family. Yeah. Uh, you're doing this uh, on your own. So what's your, what's your regular day or week like kind of managing life and work, you know, cause I, are you working at home too? Are you working? Yeah, I am. On, I am. Home? Yeah. So I, I, fortunately I have a dedicated space here in oh, the house good. to, um, you know, to be able to shut the door and, yeah. and focus on work, but uh, it doesn't stop the, uh, the interruptions. <laughs> it still happens. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, again, with freelance, it's, it's been sort of up and down highs and lows. Um, I'm still sort of figuring a few things out here and there and just trying to get a good grasp of, of, you know, doing this on my own. It's, you know, it's one thing when you're at an agency and, and you've got, you know, several capable people doing, you know, lots of things and, and they all kind of help you out. But, you know, when you're on your own, it's like, man, now, now you're invoicing, now you're writing creative briefs, now you're doing all these different things. So, so it's tough trying to prioritize, you know, all those different things and, and how to squeeze all that into a, into a day. So, so on a, on a day-to-day basis, you know, during school anyway, uh, get the kids ready for school. I drive my daughter to, to school, come back. And then I drop my son off to, to his bus stop. And from there, going through emails, just the kind of standard uh, early morning stuff. Yeah. I try to sort of have a checklist of things to, to get done during the day. And so I'll try to get as much billable time as possible into a day. I do periodically take breaks and, uh, you know, make, make it a priority to do that, to get up off my butt right. 
get outside. I don't have any windows down here. I'm in my basement too. So, <laughs> so I got to get outside and luckily I, I live uh, a bit out in the sticks here. So get to go outside and enjoy some, some fresh air, listen right. to the birds thing, things like that. So I've got to do it. Otherwise I, I just, uh, I go crazy. So especially at this point in my career, like if I don't take those breaks, um, it, it can be a tough day. You have kids. And so are you like, uh, taking breaks, like pick up kids from school or like get them settled in the afternoon. Like yeah, those are, those, I guess are the, they're the pros of freelancing where, you know, you can sort of stop in the middle of your day, you know, as long as you don't have a, a in-person meeting or anything like that, you can just kind of say, all right, I'm, I'm done for an hour. going to go hang out with the kids, pick them up. And then, um, you know, if I have to jump on something at six, seven o'clock again, just to get things going, you know, that's, that's sort of the beauty of it. So, uh, yeah, so the days are kind of irregular, um, yeah. because of that, but, uh, I don't necessarily mind it. I feel it's actually, uh, it's, it's better for that work-life balance that I was kind of in search for. So, um, yeah. so that's nice. And with my son, uh, my son is, uh, he's special needs. He's, he's autistic. So, uh, try to take some time of the, of the day to, kind of help with his needs um, and go through some of the uh, therapy stuff that we that we go through from from day to day so so yeah I always try to make time for some of that stuff too so it's a pretty busy day um, by about nine o'clock around <laughs> now <laughs> I, yeah. tend to, I tend to get ready for bed do, do you uh, have a nap so, so, sometimes when I do these interviews because I do record them yeah like at night like sometimes I take a nap during the day did you take a nap today I didn't know I moved uh, boulders in my yard. So <laughs> I'm so, I'm so ready for one right now. You're but... so tired right now. Like, okay. I'll try to keep you, try to keep you awake for the interview. <laughs> I had my coffee earlier on, so you, I think you, I'm good, but. Are you uh, building a stone wall or something? What do you, what do you do? No, so boulders? I, no, I, I, I changed a, a sort of a feature that was in the front lawn and just, just turning it into grass, but there were some boulders there and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to move these things. And I uh, took my truck and tried to do it. They wouldn't budge. I'm digging. And then I'm finding out these things are like icebergs, you know, yeah, you right. tip, and you got about two thirds of it underground. I'm like, All right. I got to put this away. I got to get ready for, for the, for the yeah. interview here. So yeah, long day, long day. Long day. It sounds like it's going to be a long, long week. Uh, you got to go yeah, dig up the rest of yeah. that rock. <laughs> it's going to be a tough summer. It feels good though. It feels good to do that kind of stuff when, you know, you're in front of a computer all day long, uh, get your hands like literally dirty out there. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't mind it. I do. People who know me really well know I hate yard work. I just hate it. Here it is. It's on the record now. I hate yard work. I hate my lawn. I, I admit it. I hate my yeah. lawn. I wish I were to It's, it's a love-hate thing for sure. <laughs> yeah, it looks great when it's all cut and trimmed and all that, but yeah. Yeah, I don't look forward to doing it, but <laughs> <laughs> I should probably get outside more than I do. <laughs> get to have some fresh air, uh, break from the screen, right? I think that's, but that's, you know, what a lot of people have definitely um, been talking about the past few years, yeah. right? With the pandemic, but even before that, I mean, I remember when I, I was a student, people, um, some of the big agencies that all of us followed, we were excited to graduate and go work in the field. And we'd read a lot of the news stuff about, you know, uh, advertising agencies and design agencies. And, and there was still talk decades ago about like yeah. the work life and the remote office. And I remember this one article that I think it was about Shiat Day. They were experimenting with this idea of remote office and having meetings wherever you could have a meeting. And 
one example they gave was like, yeah, we're going to go to like a base, you know, major league baseball game and have a meeting in the stands, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I guess if that works out, that sounds great to me. Yeah. It's nothing new, but people are really grasping to it now. Yeah. It's vital to take these breaks for me though. Um, yeah, it's, it's good for, good for my anxiety, good for stress. You know, the power of a walk outside is, is incredible really. So you're doing this consulting. So when you're, you're doing your day or your week, do you have, you talk about like making lists or schedules, like, mm-hmm. do you have certain days or times of days when you're focused, say like on new business development, uh, as opposed to just like hands-on design work or, or yeah, other uh, aspects of the job? Yeah, I mean, that very early on, I was much more focused on on new business. Um, you know, I, it's not like I was necessarily starting from scratch. I had lots of, um, you know, colleagues networking, you know, just stuff over my 17 or so years that I've developed those relationships. So mm-hmm. so that was really helpful for me. But yeah, early on, I, I try to focus on new business, building a website. I didn't even have a website up until, you know, I was laid off. So I said, what am I doing? I'm 40. I, I got to get a website up here. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. So, but, you know, fortunately at that point, I've built up enough uh, of a body of work where I could mm-hmm. uh, kind of cherry pick some, some projects and uh, include that. So, but yeah, it's, it's been a little sort of spontaneous. There are times where I try to, you know, focus even on just, you know, social media posts and things mm-hmm. of that nature, things like that. So, just trying to get a grasp on some of those things. And I'm still figuring out a few of that, uh, you know, here and there, but, you know, I'm, I'm learning as I go. And even at this point, still keeping my eye out on, you know, potential full-time fits somewhere. Yeah. If, if, if the position's right, if it feels like a good fit, um, right. you know, if it allows me that, that work-life balance I'm looking for, you know, all those little factors, but yeah, if the stars align and it's a good it's a good spot, then I'll, I'll certainly consider it. But yeah, in the meantime, still figuring out. Well, I don't. I mean, if stuff. anybody's listening to this episode and needs an art director, <laughs> I got I got a guy. I know a guy, and uh, <laughs> right. I can't. I yeah, I can't imagine that you wouldn't be snatched up quickly. Yeah, you know? yeah and it's so. it's one of those things where I am becoming you know somewhat picky too. I mean, it's, yeah. it's one of these things where I, I have. Um, had talks and interviews and things like that, but it just didn't seem necessarily like the greatest fit for me. So right. um, I feel like if I'm going to make that kind of jump, then it's, it's got to feel right. Yeah. It might be a different story if I was an early, you know, a young designer, you know, in my twenties and mm-hmm. just looking for experience. I have that now. So right. <laughs> <laughs> trying to, trying to be a little bit more picky about where I go. Sure. Of course. Yeah. So on the client side, you know, you have to work with clients. You have to find new clients. Yeah. What, from your perspective, what are some red flags as far as like when you, when you maybe meet somebody for the first time or you're, or somebody's interested in working with you, what are some things that, you know, um, from your experience that other designers should look out for if they're just starting to do this too? I can think of a few. One of the first, I mean, if one of the first things they ask is how much things cost you know, for me, that's always a little bit of a red flag. Uh, anytime I partner with uh, a client, you know, I, I'd like to, to kind of approach it like a, uh, you know, a collaborative relationship where, you know, I try to have them look at me as almost like a partner in their business and not necessarily, you know, a vendor or someone who just needs to get something done for you. It's like, I, I'm, right. I'm, I'm honestly trying to help you in any way you can. 
you know, thrive in your business. So, so it's important for me that they understand it's, it's a working partnership. And so as long as, you know, they, they show or understand the value in that partnership for me, that's, that's always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the price asking right away, it tends to be a red flag. Another is if they come out and say, well, I've worked with two other or three other designers at this point, and I, and I haven't come across like anything I like. That can sometimes be a little bit of a red flag, you know, because you don't quite know the details of why those relationships uh, didn't pan out. Mm-hmm. And so if they couldn't figure things out with the first or second or third designers, then, you know, who's to say this one's going to work out? So, uh, so those are little things to look out for, too. Those are the two that, for me, kind of stand out like right off the bat. And sometimes it's, it's hard to know until you're, you're in on that relationship, too. One thing I try to do to um, to kind of weed out anyone that may not be a good fit is have them just fill out questionnaires before we even start work. And I tend to find out pretty quickly whether or not it feels like it's going to be a good fit. You know, sort of related to that, when once you're working with, with the client, um, have you ever had that experience where the experience where the client completely shuts you down as far as like the ideas that, that you're presenting and it's like, and then how do you overcome that? Like, that's of course the importance of a contract. <laughs> right? yes. yep. Getting those in there. Um, you know, I try to set expectations pretty, mm-hmm. pretty early on so that, you know, we try to have as few of those surprises as possible. It's, it's kind of an organic process. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't necessarily eliminate that part from it as much as, you know, we try to kind of work with clients in a, in a way that it's like, Hey, any kind of solution I create for you is one that I feel will, will work. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to personally like it. It's, it's geared towards making your business work, making mm-hmm. your product work. So I always try to kind of talk in those terms mm-hmm. where we try to put subjectional mindsets right. aside, you know, it still happens. I mean, there's yeah. still sort of the aesthetic <laughs> component of it all. And yeah, they, have sure. to, they still have to like it, right? It still has to look cool. It still has to feel like, you know, it's, it's something unique to them. Yeah, you eventually run into it. And, you know, I find that the best way to kind of deal with it is to just continue to have open discussions um, mm-hmm. and just communicate. And I try to be as straightforward and casual when it comes to these conversations. Like, just just let me know, like, what what's not working? What, right. what don't you like? Yeah. And, you know, how can we sort of work to sort of a, a midway point where we both feel proud of what we're creating together? Because um, it does tend to be pretty collaborative, so... I always find color is always one of those issues. It's like oh, yeah. People like they got a favorite color or they really hate a certain color. You know, I, years yeah. ago when I was working in-house at a publishing company, I, had, I worked with this one editor and he hated this color green. It's like, mm-hmm. couldn't have green on his book covers. Like, yeah, but you're, it's a book about finance. People expect to see some kind of green. Right. I mean, it's like, how many shades of green are there? Yeah, and I, I still get those, you know, and I, I think as long as you're in this industry, you'll you'll get it until the day you retire. I mean, um, let's uh, let's take a look at some of your projects. Uh, I can tell us about a few of these here. This one, Nines Nines Dressing. So what's what's this project? So this project was uh, for a client who he was actually part of a, a larger larger company who was providing salad dressings to um, wholesale restaurants. So big batch stuff. 
and he was sort of branching out on his own to create uh, small batch products. And the great thing about his his dressings were you didn't have to um, have them refrigerated. So they could sit out and about until you open them and then you were good to go. But he wanted to create something that felt distinctly portable. And so he had these five, five different flavor profiles and our team worked with copywriters. Our creator director was on this one as well. He worked on the logo and some of the illustration work here. And then um, I worked on a lot of the, the packaging layouts. And then when that all came together, uh, it created this really kind of cool, unique, good tasting product that just needed to, to do well on shelves because it was going to be on the same shelves as you know the, the big names out there. And so it needed to stand out somehow. We said, you know what, for this, let's maybe avoid uh, photography altogether. Let's focus on something that feels distinctly different and just work with like geometric shapes and illustrations. And we came up with the name too, Nines, Nines Dressing. So Dress to the Nines, Dress Well was, was another uh, sort of tag that we were using. And it worked really well with this. So it gave it kind of a, a heightened sophistication that we were kind of hoping for. And yeah, he was able to, to get these in on, um, what was it, Whole Foods, I, I believe, in some of the, the local areas here in Massachusetts. And Blind Tiger, I think I saw it on Instagram, maybe. Yeah, yeah, Blind like this Tiger. Image. Yeah, 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 that was fun. Yeah, that, that was hand-drawn. Um, but Blind Tiger was the initial name for a speakeasy-themed bar and restaurant in Boston, uh, in the South End. Uh, it was since the, the name was since changed because of some legalities. They, they got like a cease and desist on the name. And so, but all this work was done prior to getting that. So, but, you know, one thing they kind of wanted to focus on was just sort of a kind of a gritty underground look that paired actually well with, with the interior, which was like <laughs> completely decked out with like tiger uh tiger patterned like rugs and it was just it was pretty cool it was pretty cool how it ended up turning out uh yeah so in terms of like art direction it ended up changing to you know the different name slightly different look but this is this was a project that i always kind of uh had a love for because i loved how the um you know the hand-drawn type and the hand-drawn yeah. illustrations just kind of came together and the client loved it until uh you know until we got the uh <laughs> Until we got the letter there. Until <laughs> they got the letter. The name. Yeah. Like, oh, you got to be kidding. So, yeah. Uh, so things turned out well in the end. But yeah, this was this was still a favorite of mine. And this uh, this other, this third one here, Griddlers. What's, Griddlers, what's this? Yeah. yeah, this was a, uh, it was a fast food spot up in Boston. Uh, it was run by the same hospitality group as, as the Blind Tiger Project. And they had a few of these. Well, they had one at the time and they wanted to create a second one that would then become their sort of flagship where they really kind of did up the space. And they were very kind of focused on uh, local ingredients, the, the, the Boston sort of mindset and mentality. So when it came to things like the ads that we're seeing right there, you know, we kind of took a distinct uh, uh, familiar, you know, sort of mother, you know, motherhood, home dog, you know, just kind of bringing Boston into uh into the product. And uh, it was something that they, they really kind of gravitated to. So we really pushed, you know, photography, like that had to be top notch. So we did a lot of that in house, did all the illustration work in house as well. We did all that. Yeah. The one thing I, I tell a lot of people when, when, when they view my portfolio is like, 
you know, it's, it's a culmination of collaborative work. You know, it's, right. it's always the kind of thing where I could have started something and then my creative director would, would finish it and vice versa. So we were able to sort of feed off of each other's styles. It was a small group. It was just a, a few designers. We had our third one here at the time too, who she did a lot of the, uh, the handwriting work. And then we had a, just a, an amazing photographer who was able to capture some of their stuff and make it look incredible. Yeah, food photography is hard. It's yeah. not easy. Yeah. Yeah. Great food stylist, amazing photographer. Um, and then we would pair it with some of the color palettes and uh, patterns yeah. that we were working on. I initially went to school as an illustrator and converted to, to design. So, oh, okay. I don't know if so I, yeah, any, that. anytime I can instill illustration, if it makes sense for the project, I'll, I'll try to get some in there. Very cool. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. Cause we, we talked about, or you were in the web class that I was trying to teach. I don't know. I don't know how, how well I did it back then. I think I got a handle on it now. It's been 20 years. So, um, <laughs> Let's talk about mass art. So you, you, how did you find mass art? How did you, I mean, you grew up in Rhode Island, so you probably knew it from there, but like, how did you, yeah. what's your pathway from going from like high school to, to getting to uh, mass art and illustration and then to, to study? Yeah. Design? Yeah. So my, uh, my art teacher in high school, uh, Deanna Campitaro, she was great. Um, she, she helped me a lot with the whole process of of finding where I was going to end up going. I was, I was, you know, trying my hand at a few different places. Montserrat was another one. She really wanted me to uh, try RISD, even though I, <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to be able to afford it. <laughs> I said, but I'll, I'll, I'll apply. Let me, let me check it out. So, yeah. Um, but MassArt was another <laughs> one that she spoke highly of. And she says, listen, it's, it's a short drive away, train ride away. That might be a really good alternative to, to something like a RISD. So, uh, I said, yeah, let's, let's give that a shot. I was accepted. But up to that point, you know, I was, I was focused on illustration. I thought going into school, I was going to become a, a comic book artist. Who does it when, who doesn't think that when you're <laughs> 17, 18 years old? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was my jam. I mean, I'd stay up as a teenager, super late, just copying, you know, my favorite artists and uh, staying up two, three, four o'clock in the morning doing that before getting ready for school. So so that's, that's where my head was at. Like, that's where I was going. And so, but she said, you know, Hey, you kind of have to expand things to try out just so, you know, these folks look at you and say, you know, Hey, let's get this kid a shot. So, but yeah, I, I gave mass art a try, fell in love with it, but like every art student, you know, high school art student going into college, you, you figure out you suck compared to everyone else. <laughs> That's what everybody says. Oh man, you may be a rock star in high school, but as soon as you walk through those doors and you see the talent, <laughs> and you just sit there and you go, "Oh man!" Like, all right, I'm in trouble. Like these are the these are the people I'm I'm competing against. <laughs> so every, every student says that, and they're talented oh. too. You're talented. You were probably talented then. You got into mass art. Yeah, yeah. You know? So I mean, it was it was great. Uh, great school, great professors. But I also thought, you know, hey, I, I, I was never really introduced to graphic design until until I got to mass art, mm -hmm. re realistically. So there was very little of that in high school. Um, I didn't really know what design was, but I started to see what what other students were creating in those in those classes in the communications department. And I'm like, oh, wow, you're doing that with typography, like just a few letters and you're making this look that cool. I was. I was kind of blown away by it. 
And I thought, you know, hey, listen, like unless you're a rock star illustrator coming out of school, it might be pretty tough finding steady work. So I, I was hearing stories of, you know, a lot of the, the kids in the communications department, you know, coming right off the bat with, with job offers and things like that. So kind of made a decision at that point to, to say, hey, you know, if I can incorporate my illustrative skills to, you know, this design thing, I could probably make it work and, and fell in love with it. So. So what was, um, you know, cause my, you know, I was a grad student there. So grad yep. school is so different than undergrad. What was your experience like in terms of mass art as a school, as a, as a culture, uh, it's right there in the, in the Fenway area, there's museums, you know, yeah. right there, Wentworth, there's a lot going on in that part of Boston. Um, yeah, it, like for you. Yeah, it was it was a bit of an eye opener for sure. I I grew up in a really tiny city of of Central Falls in Rhode Island. So yeah, it was it was really small. So going up to Boston, I mean, I was familiar with Boston. I've been up there a few times. I have family nearby, but to experience the school and and the city, you know, legitimately uh, for the four years was 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 eye opening in, in a good way. So it helped yeah. kind of open my eyes to just different cultures, uh, different forms of art, you know, different ways of kind of thinking about problem solving with, with art. And, and again, professors were, I, I always had a great experiences with my professors, Liz Resnick, uh, Chaz, uh, Chaz Davies, mm -hmm. who was there for a little while, you know, people like that helped shape your mind pretty quickly um, because they were so engaging. Um, and at times, you know, really entertaining. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Chaz, I remember being incredibly animated. Oh yeah, um, he was this yeah. incredible poster designer, um, and just got not just myself, but I remember everybody was just kind of blown away by you know his his mindset and just his way to get you to think a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. You know, as as a kid, just figuring things out, you know, you kind of go to the obvious things, and and he'll just. They'll say, well, what about this? And everyone just goes, uh, of course, like, geez, why don't we think of that? And he's just right. spitting this stuff out left and right. And you're going, yeah. all right, well, that's why you are who you are. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> you're, yeah, yeah, this is all yeah. second nature to you. But I, yeah, I had the same, I kind of remember that feeling too, because uh, he would sit in on grad critiques and, yeah. and like, wow, that guy's super smart. And talented yeah you had that part of the school you know i love that the uh the media lab was open pretty much throughout the night so you can go in there and, and practice and the city itself it's great it's great it's just uh for me it's kind of a busier version of providence so yeah i've always kind of liked it but i did a lot of commuting too so mm -hmm. there were times where um i'd stay up there for some time but always catching the train back home but it was yeah overall it was uh it really was a fantastic experience, um, and I and I thoroughly enjoyed my time there. So, so that's that's Mass Art. I, I remember previously we talked. Your family is from. Is it the Azores? Is that right? Was that like? Yeah, yeah. My then, parents, my parents are from the Azores. They came over okay. uh, in the seventies, and then myself and all my siblings were born here. Yeah. My parents, especially my dad, you know, they kind of grew up as. Uh, as farmers, it was as simple a life as as you can really imagine. You grew up in Rhode Island, and and your parents came here to this country. So, what what was uh, child your childhood like as far as creativity or art or design or was that was that part of it? How did you discover like 
you know, like comic books. What what was it like um, before Mass Art? You know, being a creative kid. Yeah, I mean, I I I drew for as long as I can remember. Um, mm. So it's just it's always something that I gravitated to 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 make me happy. Um, right. And it's funny because um, you know art somewhat runs in the family with uncles and, and things like that but my parents are not artists in the least <laughs> at yeah. all yeah no they, no they they're, might be they're, in their you know, own way yeah so i mean my my dad especially was like you know you're you're going to school for what <laughs> um like you can make a living with that are you sure are you sure said, yeah, I'm, pre- <laughs> I'm pretty sure yeah i know it doesn't look it right now i mean he saw especially in college he saw the struggles of the you know the late nights and things like that and right. uh, you know, like any good parent, I mean, they just kind of show their concern and going like, hey, you know, is this really something you want to do? And I said, yeah, you know, it's it's something I've always loved. So you had some family maybe that was that were a little, little creative here and there. Did you take any art classes or workshops as a kid in your schools when you were um, middle school or high school or anything? Or Yeah, not so much necessarily as a, as a kid that I can recall. I know during my high school years, I did end up taking some uh, courses up at Art Institute of Boston. Mm-hmm. That was like a, it was like a graffiti course, if I remember right. <laughs> it was, it was weird. I don't know why I took it, but I think I, I felt like I wanted to try just my hand in something completely different because yeah. I was doing one thing and kind of one thing only. And I'm like, you know what, let me just like, see what this is all about. Mm-hmm. just to kind of expand my mindset and and how to approach things and how how those artists approach that kind of work and that was actually i think like really one of my first kind of introductions to like typography and just in general just what they were doing with type where you look at it and you go i don't i don't see what you wrote there like that's right. that's english <laughs> and they're like yeah but you got to follow the flow and this yeah there's all kinds of different oh. styles there's terminology to, to all of oh it's it. it's it was it was incredible and yeah. um and totally eye-opening um i love the course but when they had us working with airbrushes this is oh yeah <laughs> this is how you can date me going back now so we were using airbrushes yeah. uh on stuff and uh and i was awful at it so i said all right you know newfound respect for these uh right. guys and girls out there doing this stuff and uh it was incredible, but yeah, so I took, I took that. I did the following year, I think, end up taking a course over at RISD. And that was just more of like a, a yeah, pre-college course, just like figure drawing or something like that. That was a cool experience because uh, it was also, as a high school, you were in there with some, some college kids and professors right. who, you know, were kind of blowing us all out of the water. And you, you mentioned the high school art teacher. So did you take art classes like senior year junior year of high school and then build a portfolio to submit uh, to mass yeah and... as, as many as i could really throughout yeah. my high school career so okay. um you know if i was able to take it as as um you know a course then then i took it we talked a little bit earlier on about you're going for walks and digging in the dirt are there other things that you do to sort of take care of yourself in terms of like mental wellness, physical, you know, fatherhood has taken kind of the, the driver's seat on, on most of that stuff outside of design. So if I'm not designing, <laughs> you know, I'm doing something probably for the kids or family. So um, that can be both invigorating and tiring though, exhausting even. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it certainly can, you know, and, and with my son being special needs, 
you know, some, sometime throughout the day to kind of assist with uh, some of his therapies and things like that um, are important. Yeah, a lot of time is spent with him, you know, on some of those things and trying to, trying to help him out. Well, at the same time, you know, being there for my daughter and helping her with, with homework and, you know, going outside and shooting some hoops in the, in the driveway. Um, it's another way to try to at least stay active. I got plenty to keep me busy outside in terms of the whole, you know, dad lawn stuff for sure. (laughs) Dad lawn stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of juggling. And because of the the complexity of it all too, you know, I, I have tried to be much more mindful of where my mind is too. Um, so you meditate. I try to do that now in the mornings, um, after I drop off the kids, uh, you know, right after breakfast, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll try to take, you know, a good 10, 15 minutes to just uh, channel stuff out and um, kind of reset the mind to, to yeah. zero and start the day there. I think I saw on your Twitter, you commented on something about something to do with motocross. Are you a motocross fan? Yeah, so I, I love uh, motorcycle racing. Yeah, and the big one there is MotoGP, which is kind of the equivalent to Formula One racing. Yeah, I fell in love with it in my teens and just uh, have continued to follow ever since. So. And do you have a bike? In in my early days, I mean, it was uh, it was one of those you know dreams of mine, like hey, you know, at some point get up and get my license, which I did, and I thought it was going to happen. And it wasn't long after that where I became a dad, and I said, all right, you know, I gotta I gotta put priorities <laughs> first here. <laughs> No more so, to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, so no, I just uh, I've become a fan now, watching it. And yeah, so, okay. yeah, I still got a kick out of it. It's pretty amazing to watch. All right, let's let's move on to the pop quiz. Right, right to the serious question or important question for somebody who works for themselves. How do you back up your files? Oh boy, so I I do cloud and I I have a backup drive hooked up to my computer. You gotta have a backup to the backup. Yep. You're working from home. You got probably easy enough access to lots of beverages what do you what do you drink while you're while you're working yeah i keep it simple it's typically water yeah yeah after a long day of moving boulders though it was straight to the beer (laughs) so that's the after work beverage the beer (laughs) it's usually it's usually like a a cup of coffee in the morning yeah throughout the remainder of the day it's it's typically just water and you have a, a beer preference in the evening after moving boulders and moving pixels around the screen uh yeah something that's just like a lager something easy uh, to go down uh let's see favorite boston neighborhood i liked the the south end i've always thought that was a, a pretty cool spot lots of you know young professionals out there um lots of cool spots uh okay sketchbook blank or gridded blank freeform yeah. huh type or image uh type music genre that you design to uh, i listen to a bunch of different stuff but i tend to uh listen to a lot of film scores all right so you have your own setup there at home laptop or desktop oh man i'm still on my 2013 imac it's a dinosaur i got a little iMac Museum, though, on the other room. (laughs) Turn it into a goldfish bowl, one of those (laughs) old ones there. Just kicking around, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You've designed a lot of logos, but what's a logo that you haven't designed that you wish you had designed? You know, FedEx for me has always just been uh, a brilliant logo. I just love how simple and bold it is, um, and it works, works so well in a system. It's fantastic. Everybody knows now about the hidden arrow and everything. 
What? Um, Wait, what? What are you talking about? There's a hidden <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, check it out. <laughs> if you weren't a designer, what would you be? Good question. I I think I'd be helping people in, in some way. I don't know what. Both my parents were social workers and, and they used to bring me over to their workplace every now and then just to kind of see what they do and, and help out. And so I, it, it always kind of had an impression on me. And so, uh, I don't know, I guess if I wasn't a designer, I'd, I'd, I'd do something to help people out. Nice, nice. Final thoughts for aspiring designers, students, recent graduates? And I guess I'd, I'd kind of say, you know, just uh, experience and time is your friend. You're not going to know everything up front. So be humble, listen, collaborate, especially the listening part. I mean, try to do your best there with that. Uh, the more you listen, I think the, the better a designer you become. But do your best with collaboration. You often, you know, do much better work when you realize others are, are, are giving you input that you may not have thought of. So always be open to collaboration, always listen, uh, and always keep an open mind, check your ego out the door, and it, it'll make you a better designer in the, in the, in the end. Yeah, well said. I, I was gonna say, I was like, you, you sound like somebody who's been doing this for a while. So, <laughs> yeah. so great to catch up with you. It was, uh, it was awesome. Likewise, yeah, this has been really fun and, uh, and super ha happy to, to catch up. All right, thanks, Nelson. I'll talk to you later. Thanks again, take care. So what do we learn from Nelson? Number one, try something completely different. Try new things, maybe even try airbrushing. Number two, when working with clients, ask questions and set expectations early on in the process. Thanks to Nelson Kuda for joining me on this episode. If you have any comments or questions for me or any of my guests, please leave them in the comments. And subscribe so you can catch the next episode of Design Futures. Until next time, go learn something. Your future depends on it. Thanks for listening. See ya.